Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking five reasons your exercise program is failing you. All right, people, let's get into it. Five reasons your exercise program is failing you. And this is assuming you're following a program. Number one, right? there. If you're not following a program, <laughs> then you're really kind of failing yourself here because you need something to be able to measure. You need some kind of a structure. You can't just go into the gym and just I mean, you can go into the gym and just do whatever you want, but that's not going to be optimal. You want to be able to follow a program. And I'm not saying you can't design your own program. Mm -hmm. If you have the capacity to do that and you have the ability to do that, then that's better than not following the program. So reason number one, Nicole, mm -hmm. in our five reasons your exercise program is failing you is your program is not the right fit for where you are now. Yeah, this is a big one. This is something that I often hear is this is a workout I did 20 years ago, or this is a workout I did in high school. And we all know from like the high school workouts, it's the typical bro split, right? It's like the bodybuilding split. Well, I do chest and tries and back and buys and legs and shoulders and arms. That's typically what most people, Nicole, correct me if I'm wrong. Like that's what most people do when they're in high school. And I think like the only people that don't really grow out of that is really bodybuilders. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that, but think there's of nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Like I still follow that same style split because I'm a bodybuilder at heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember working in some of these gyms and some of these functional trainers like, oh, well, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't train like that. And I'm like, you know what, you guys like if this is what I enjoy doing. And these are the type of results that I'm looking for. Like, yeah, I'll add in some functional movement for overall functionality so that I can perform better in the lifts that I'm doing. But I'm still going to do my typical split yeah. because that's the way I like to train. Yeah. Oftentimes, Nicole, I find that people are like, well, this is what I did in high school. So I'm going to go back to it. Or this is what I did when I played football. That's what mm -hmm. I get a lot. Right. Or when yeah. I wrestled in high school. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, you're not in the same body from 20 years ago. Or even two years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. So if you have taken a significant amount of time off from like when you played football and you did two a days, mm -hmm. right, you're not going to expect to come into the gym and just start training for hours and hours and hours. First of all, your recovery time is going to be way slower mm -hmm. because you're not trained. You're, you're deconditioned. Yeah. Right. So, so you're basically saying too much too fast. Too much, too fast. Absolutely. Right. You, can you build up to and progress to even at an older age? If you're 20 years older, mm -hmm. can you build up to and progress to and possibly follow a solid program for, I don't know, call it six months to a year mm -hmm. and then to progress to a point where you're even past where you were in your 20s and yes. now, now or not in your 20s, but like when you were 17. Right. And now you're 40. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can surpass that. But you have to be patient with yourself and you have to be able to like realistically say, OK, I need to meet myself where I am right now. And oftentimes we go in and 
you'll think you're in better shape than you are, or you'll think that you should be in better shape than you are. Yeah, it's more that one. And and then that is what leads you to do too much too soon rather than follow a progressive model mm-hmm. where you're like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to jump into a back squat because chances are. And this is one of the things that I find with back squats, Nicole, and I'm sure you've experienced this. And anybody who's a seasoned, trained athlete or trained individual will know that anytime that you take time off from um, specifically a squat, your mechanics, like if I take a month off from squatting, it takes me a few weeks to a yeah. month to readjust mm-hmm. and for my mechanics to feel right. Yeah. So like you're jumping into the gym, you're going into the gym and you're like, cool, I'm going to load up 225 on a squat bar. And it's like your <laughs> mechanics aren't even ready there. Yeah. Right. So if you've taken a significant time off from training or you've never trained before, we follow progressions. Right. So we go, OK, let's do a goblet squat. And then let's go from a goblet squat to a barbell box squat. Mm -hmm. And then let's progress from that to just a barbell back squat. And then from there, you can do a front squat and then you can do all different variations. Yeah. Too much too fast is basically what I hear when you say all this. And thinking that you're in better shape or that you should be in better shape is more the mindset. It's like, well, I should be able to do this. this. This is stuff I used to be able to do. So I should be able to do it now. And it fails you because you progress too fast and then you end up one of two things. Well, you don't you don't progress, though, right? Well, you yes, but you don't progress because you feel guilt, shame that you aren't in shape the way you thought you should be. So people go, oh, man, I am in horrible shape. I shouldn't even try this or I'm backing off or this isn't working for me or all the like negative mindset stuff. And then you peel away and you give up and or you get hurt (laughs) because you pushed thinking that you were in better shape then they're blaming it on the exercise. And then they're not taking the responsibility for the fact that, you know, like back squats are horrible. I shouldn't be doing those because I'm older. No, they're not horrible. You just progress too fast and need to slow the fuck down <laughs> and take a deep breath and reel yourself back in. And I I've been seeing this even just f- through COVID, like when the gyms were open and we were busy and clients were rocking and then everything shut down in the past two years. And now clients are really starting to rev up. They've been working out from home. Now they're back in the gym and they're doing the same thing. They're like, I used to be able to do this two years ago when I was training with you. I'm like, yeah, but not only have you not been lifting this way, but you've been sitting a lot. Like we have to technically not start from scratch, but we are starting a little bit over. We have to regress a little bit before we can progress forward. So don't be so worried about getting there fast. Let's, let's just get you back in and get you moving. That's a big thing right now. Yeah. I mean, you've been at home working out with, you know, a lot of people did like band workouts, like you're working out yeah. with rubber bands or whatever. Yeah. You got to be kind to yourself in the process and you have to understand that it's not going to take you as long as it initially took you to get there exactly. because you've been there before. So you really have to just look at it and say, okay, well, I'm going to take a solid one or two or maybe three months, like a 12 week progression. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to follow a progressive program. And before I know it, like after a few weeks, your strength is going to be start, start to come back. Your muscular yeah. endurance is going to start to come back. So when you get into this program and typically like, this is like the model that I will follow is we'll start with muscular endurance. We'll do higher repetitions. We're not going to push the weight too much. Uh, if, if you've been using like, like, let's say you've been doing four sets at 70% max previously, maybe you want to go down to three sets at 50% max and just do higher volume. 
And then you want to build from there. So you want to go through the phases of training and you want to go, okay, well, I'm going to go muscular endurance, right? We're talking weightlifting here. I'm going to go muscular endurance. Then I'm going to transition into strength. Then I'm going to transition to hypertrophy. And then if needed, I'm going to transition into power. Uh, you know, some clients, I don't really jump into power with everybody, but uh, you know, power would be things like uh, lower repetition uh, squats and deadlifts and you know, whatever, any type of like power movement. And you would just continue to progress on from there and you'd go through these cycles. So, you know, the starting point is, okay, well, let's take a step back. Let's increase your repetitions. Let's lower the volume, make sure that we build up muscular endurance first, because muscular endurance is going to be an important component to building strength. And then we add on strength to that and just follow a progressive overload strategy. I can't stress this enough. Progressive overload is the like one of the most important concepts in exercise programs is that you're always varying the intensity, the reps, the weight, right? And and you're you're increasing that stuff over a period of time. Yeah. You want to get into number 2? Let's do it. All right, number 2 is you're not working hard enough. I have seen this all too often, the people that will come into the gym and they will be doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Maybe you're not working hard enough or you've been following the same program or the same resistance training program for you know too long a period of time. Yeah. And you, again, back to the progressive overload, you haven't been increasing your weight. You're not pushing yourself. What I'll say about that is nothing changes if nothing changes physiologically what's going on is your body has to adapt to a stressor that you're putting onto the system. In the last episode that we did, we talked about physiology of stress, right? Mm -hmm. Mental stress, physical stress, the mental stress of the exercise will get you to be able to persevere through tougher, more painful workouts. Mm -hmm. The physical part will force your body to change and adapt. And if the workout and the load isn't stressful enough, and Nicole, you've said this in previous uh, episodes, I think it was like, if your last three reps, if you're not really struggling and forcing out your last three reps, mm -hmm. then you're not working hard enough. Yeah. If it's too easy and you're like, okay, I'm going to set 12 reps for myself and you breeze through the 12, then you know what? Maybe mm -hmm. you should have done uh, 15 or maybe you should have done 12 reps at a higher weight. Yeah. Or a lot of my clients, I'll set four sets of 10 reps and they'll only finish four sets. And the last two of the four, they'll only do six reps. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's to finish all 10, like get all those reps in before you make a change instead of it's almost like they change the program to fit how they feel at the moment versus finishing the program and actually adhering to what is given to them. And that's one thing that's kind of a pet peeve of mine in terms of program design, because the program set a specific way for a reason. So you and before you start mixing things up and changing things around, you have to be able to adapt to the program the way it's set. And then you can make changes from there. And I think the other piece of stress is I don't know if it's that people aren't working hard enough. They're just not completing the workouts correctly. From a mindset standpoint, they'll go in and be like, okay, my goal is to do these six exercises, four sets of 10 reps, and they only do it halfway. Like they don't complete the workout. So I guess technically they aren't working hard enough, but the flip side to that is that they're just not finishing it out. Maybe they're just not finishing or seeing it through. I don't know if my words are right here, but 
they're not completing the workout as get, as designed or given to them, especially if they are getting a workout program. Like this is how it's supposed to go. Finish everything out. If you're not finishing everything out, you and I view that as not working hard enough. I think more from a client standpoint, it's that you actually have to complete it as is so that you can see the results at the end of that workout. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't stop halfway through a program and just modify it. You have to consistently yeah. follow that program for that four week or six week block or whatever, however length of time it is. Yeah, I typically I program for everybody and you as well, Nicole, right? Four week blocks. Yeah, four eight week blocks. But a lot of what happens to my clients is they'll be like, well, this exercise I changed or and this is clients that I see in the gym. So like I have them for sessions and then they have homework on their own. And then I have clients where I just give them their workouts. They do it on their own. Either way, when they finish the workout in the app, in our app, they have to check everything. I have to be able to see that everything is done and they put their weights in. If things are staggered or off, I'm like, what exactly did you do? <laughs> what exactly is Oh, well, yeah. So I'll find a couple of things when it comes to programs, right? So I'll find that people will rearrange the order of the exercises, yeah. which I'm like, I put these here in this order for a, for, reason. For a reason. People will swap out exercises. Well, that's fine. I, you Sometimes. know what? I'll tell, I'll tell you where it's not fine. Okay. Where, where it's not fine is when that it's like, not the body part that they're supposed here's, to. No, no, no. Here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. If you are following a program and we're following, like I said, the progressive overload model, mm -hmm. you want to do that same exercise in the same order. Yeah. For that period of time. Like when I do a program, let's say I'm doing a overhead dumbbell shoulder press. Mm hmm. And I'm starting week one with 50 pounds for 12 reps. Mm -hmm. And then I, the next week I'm like, all right, the, I'm 55. And then the, yeah. the, the, the third week, I don't really progress because I, I just didn't get strong that week. I'm at 55. But then the fourth week of that program, I'm at 60 pounds. Yeah. That's you progressing through that program. If you yes. change the exercise and change the stimulus entirely, you're not following that model. So right. that's that's how I look at it when people are changing up things. They might, well, well, I did this instead of that. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? Then you're not progressing. Now, I understand yeah. there, there are some exceptions to this rule. Like if if somebody comes up to me and they're like, I just don't, there are certain exercises that for some people, you they don't, don't feel the exercise. Yes. And it's just, it doesn't feel right. And it doesn't benefit that individual to do that exercise. That's mm -hmm. a conversation to be had with, all right, well, maybe we should choose a different exercise, but mm -hmm. that exercise that we choose to replace that initial exercise, that has to be consistent. Yes. Right. So that's a conversation where, you know, if I program for somebody and I don't know how their body responds to each and every exercise, there are exercises mm -hmm. that I've done that I'm like, it kind of feels useless to me. Yes, and there are, and, and that same exercise, I know other people that love that exercise. Right. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't get a pump. I, I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm getting stronger. It just feels awkward for me. It just doesn't match with my anatomy for whatever reason. Yeah, you got it. That's exact. All the things I was going to cover. And so in that and those are times where you're like, OK, we you listen. OK, let's swap this out and find something better. That, and not only that you feel, but that you that you really enjoy, too, because if you feel it, you'll be more apt to stick with it. Just like when we talk about foods that you love, you're more apt to be consistent if it's stuff that you look forward to to eating most of the time. And then, the time. and then the other piece to that is sometimes you'll get like, well, I, I got bored with the program. So I just switched things up and it's like, well, you got, you well, just I'll got see. four, it's just four weeks of your life, right? <laughs> Training the right way. Yeah. 
I'll be honest, it is kind of boring because there's a lot of repetitiveness and the, the fundamentals are always going to be the fundamentals, right? The simplicity your, is your squat, your push, your pull, your hinge, your mm-hmm. your lunge, like all of those movement patterns. You're going to do different variations of those at any given time. And the exciting part is when you're progressing in that. And in order to progress in that and, and make it more exciting, you have to follow the program from beginning to end. And then when it's time to change the program, then you change the program and the exercise selection can change and you'll, you know, have some new and exciting exercises. Yeah. And I try and do that really consistently from a coaching standpoint with my clients so that they have that variety. So it's still somewhat exciting from like when they look at their workout from month to month, they're like, oh my God, I haven't done this exercise before. And they get excited. Then I'll go, I'll circle back to old exercises that they haven't done in a while. And they're stronger in those exercises because of the progression of things that we've done in between. And they're like, oh my God, I, I used to be able to like press this. And then we pulled away from that and did something else. And now I'm like pressing again. And I can't believe I can lift that heavy. And so that's the program design piece from the coach's standpoint, I think is really important. You want to have someone that really knows what they're doing from the client standpoint, working hard or not working hard enough really is about, I know we're going to get into consistency, but sticking with it, like actually making the, with this, I, you, you say boring, I say simplistic, the simplicity of it exciting because that's the stuff that that repetition over and over is what builds that strength. Yeah. And Nicole, since you bring that up, let's get into number three, which is you're not consistent enough. And <laughs> I, I say this, but I think I posted something like this on Instagram. The worst program followed consistently is always going to be better than the best program followed inconsistently. If you're following a shitty program, but you're consistent with it, you're going to get results. Mm -hmm. If you're following, you know, the best program from the best coach and it's just planned out perfectly and it's technical and it's there's all these types of crazy exercises in there. I don't really care about that. I care more that you're consistent with your workouts. So if you have a five day week program and you're hitting three one week and two another week Mm -hmm. and four another week and five, like you really need to tackle that whole program. And I'll even take that a step further in, you know, with certain, certain muscle groups that kind of feed into it to one another, because I've noticed this, if I skip, let's say tricep exercises or shoulder exercises in Mm -hmm. a program, I find that that will affect in the following weeks because I haven't had that stimulus. Yeah. It's going to affect my, all of my pushing exercise, like my bench press, my dumbbell Mm -hmm. press. I'm going to be weaker in those because keep in mind, like you're like, oh, well, I I'm really want to focus on building my chest. So I'm going to just this week, I'm going to skip my shoulder workout and I'm just going to hit my chest workout, not realizing that your shoulders are accessory to mm-hmm. your pushing in your chest and your triceps are accessory to your pushing in your chest. So those things are going to help to support that goal that you have of building a bigger chest. Yeah. And see, for me, shoulders are part of your core. That's what I always categorize them as. So I'm like, you, you can't you like shoulders and glutes are part of your core. How shoulders part of your core? Well, if you can't stabilize with strong shoulders, internal and external rotation and have good stability in that part of your body, then how can you do an overhead squat? How can you, you know, do you do, do, you do a lot of uh, overhead squats? 
I well, I personally with, no, not you personally with the clients. Um, with my advanced clients, yes. See, overhead yeah. squats not something that I I just you don't have think... to have great mobility. I mean, how can you do a how can I, you listen? Do a... I can do an overhead squat, but it's not something that I ever find necessary to program. Well, I'm not saying that it's wrong. My power lifters do. I mean, okay, I'm not giving not. them to my like 78 year old female clients, but I mean, and you have yeah. to have the mo- you have to have the mobility too. The mo- well, to that's what I'm to- saying. But that's why I consider a part of the core. But I think from a fundamental standpoint, too many people are blowing out parts of their knees, shoulders, hips, because their core isn't strong. I consider all of that part of your core. And if you teach Pilates, which I also started back teaching again, shoulders and glutes, inner thighs, those are all part of that core stability. So I will say the few times that I've done Pilates, Pilates was great. It's not something that I would incorporate on a regular basis just because it's not a priority for me. Mm-hmm. but the few times that I've done Pilates that you're talking about inner thighs, mm-hmm. my adductors yeah. are like on fire for like an entire week. <laughs> See, it's insane. Like nothing I've ever felt. Yeah. They're just the areas that you don't normally feel in a regular strength workout. I, I like a lot of variety, but that's another topic. All right. And then there's number four, which is the one that I hold closest and nearest and dearest to my heart. You're not eating right. <laughs> well, and if I you're not eating, right, if you're not, if you're not eating right, you're not recovering from those workouts. You can be consistently following the best program in the world mm-hmm. and you're not eating right. And you're not recovering. I don't want to say you're not fueling your body for your workouts because it's really less about fuel and more about recovery. Mm-hmm. So the aspects that you need to start focusing on, and I'll see this all the time. I work out in the gym and I, I'm always in the gym. I'm always consistent. I work so hard and I'm not getting results. And then the first thing that I say is, what are you eating like? And it's always the nutrition. So first thing, like we always talk about, the first thing you focus on is, especially if you're doing a resistance training, a weight training program, you're lifting weights, you're focused on your protein. You're exercising, you're focused on your protein. Mm -hmm. Protein quantity for the day, which will range from, listen, we can ballpark and say, you know, a gram per pound of body weight, which is not technically wrong. Uh, Or we can say 2.0 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. It could be a little bit less depending on what your goals are, calorically speaking, right? You'll want to increase that protein and be on the higher end. If you're in a calorie deficit and you're trying to lose body fat and you can be on the lower end and get away with being on the lower end, if you're in a calorie surplus, maybe you can get away with 1.5 or 1.8 grams uh, of, of protein per kilogram of body weight, but you need to be eating adequate protein for the day. You need to be consistently hitting again. There's that consistency piece, consistently hitting that target. And you need to be focused on protein feeding frequency, which is going to be anywhere from three to five feedings per day. And that's what's shown as optimal to increase muscle protein synthesis. And if you're increasing muscle protein synthesis, then you are driving repair of muscle tissue and you're recovering adequately from your workouts. The other piece is your carb intake carbs. They're not your enemy. They increase insulin, which isn't a bad thing. They increase insulin, which is a driver of glucose as glycogen into your muscles, into your liver, but is also a driver of nutrients and vitamins and minerals and amino acids into your muscle cells to make sure that they're being fueled properly. So adequate carbohydrate intake, 
and you also want to make sure that you're getting adequate fat and fat is going to be an important driver of a hormonal balance in your body, male and female. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're getting adequate fat and the total calories that you're eating are going to be like the single most important thing. Calories are king when it comes to this. So, you know, in order of importance, it's going to go calories and then protein and then your other two macronutrients, which are carbs and fat. You kind of split the difference 50 50, like we always talk about. And you could be under eating and overtraining or overeating and undertraining or just overeating in general, depending on what your goals are. Right. So if your goals are to build lean muscle, you need to make sure that you're getting adequate calories. You're establishing your baseline or your maintenance calories. And then you're building anywhere from two to 500 calories from there upwards above your maintenance or if you're establishing your maintenance and you're trying to lose body fat anywhere from two to 500 calorie deficit, depending mm -hmm. on how aggressive you want to get with it. And obviously you want to be able to check your hunger, energy, and cravings throughout the process. Maybe you're a little bit too low. Maybe you need to increase that a little bit. And hydration is obviously going to be super important for recovery. And that's a part of nourishing your body. I always say hydration and water is what drives the metabolic processes that are going on inside of your body. All of the chemical reactions in your body happen in a fluid-based medium. And in order to have those reactions occur as efficiently as possible, you want to be adequate, adequately hydrated. And that looks like half your body weight, at least half your body weight in ounces per day for leaner individuals, maybe a little bit less than half your body weight in ounces per day if you have a significant amount of body fat because muscle is going to store or require more water than fat tissue. So depending on how, and I've had situations, Nicole, where you tell somebody half your body weight in ounces, like if I just use that general rule of thumb mm -hmm. and somebody's, let's say 40% body fat and they're heavier, yeah. then I'm like, that's a lot of, they're not going to be able to even consume that much water. Yeah. So that's why I say it's a general rule of thumb, but I, I think for most people it's good. Yeah. I think the biggest piece to the nutrition part is balance and it has to match the workout that the progressive overload that you're creating. I mean, I see, I've said this on so many podcasts at this point, um, I, our listeners should know me by now, but if you're new and you're hearing this, you really want to make sure that whatever programming that you're picking or whatever program you're choosing, a build phase, a cut phase, a maintenance phase, you're a newbie, you're adding HIIT training to your workout, you're adding cardio, you're getting your steps in, whatever the missing piece is when you are creating things, the nutrition piece has to match that. This is probably one of the biggest, when you talk about why programs fail, the biggest thing I see from a coaching standpoint is that clients are choosing a workout strategy, but the nutrition is completely off or they choose a nutrition strategy and the workout program is completely off. Like they don't match. They really do have to coexist side by side so that the result that you're looking for, and of course this has to match the goal. So if you pick your goal and then you pick your workout strategy and your nutrition strategy, they all have to be work together to get you to that goal. And I think that's where it comes in when you were just talking about under eating and over exercising or under exercising and overeating. Like to me, those are the strategies that just don't match. So when you sit down, whether you're doing this yourself for your own program um, on your own, or you're working with one of us coaches, our job is to pick out what's missing and help plug in those solutions to the strategies that you're trying to accomplish 
to make this a doable result driven program design nutrition program and recovery strategy that is ultimately the goal all right moving along number 5 you don't have a measurable goal oriented program your goals are the first thing to consider and they need to be broken down into specific and measurable kind of like micro goals or milestones Mm-hmm. You need to have a big goal that's, let's say, three months or six months down the line. Oh, one year, two year, girl. Whatever. Either way. And then you need to be able to break that down into, all right, what are my monthly goals and what yeah. are my weekly goals and what are my daily goals? And your daily goals are typically your habits that are going mm-hmm. to drive those results that you're looking for. You definitely have to have a broader base goal. One year strategy is always... That's kind of the minimum, I think. Yeah. And since you bring up one year strategy, it's always it's also super important to recognize that oftentimes when people come in and I, I have conversations with them, they they just think like, all right, zero to 60, I'm going to get hit this three month goal. And then it's going to like you have to think long term about these goals because yeah. you want to be fit for life. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to reach goals. Right. I, I, I've never heard anybody say. I'm 40% body fat. I want to get down to 12 and then I want to go back to 40, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody ever thinks like that. So when you're thinking about that, Nicole, I think it's important what you're saying here is that you have to be able to really be in this for the long haul. And when you're creating those longer term goals, then it's kind of creating that mindset for you of, all right, it's, this is going to take me a while. And Mm -hmm. then I'm going to break this up into smaller goals that I'm achieving. You know, perfect example. I'm doing the fruit loss challenge. Yeah. My goal is, let's say, one to two pounds a week. Right. Yeah. By the end of this, I want to lose at least six pounds. That's my month goal. And then I have my weekly goals. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at with that. Now, that's not a long term thing because obviously I'm doing the fruit loss challenge just to prove a point. But it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tied into what we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big piece for me is when the short term strategies are okay, like 30 days, 60 days, a goal to, you know, six month season, an event, whatever I get, I get all that. But I like to paint a picture that's bigger than that so that the excitement of achieving the small goals rolls into a bigger strategy. And it makes it a little bit more, you know, I love fun, makes it more fun, but it also makes it there's, there's more to look forward to. Like, I feel like too many clients are like, I just have to get to this point in three months and then everything will be good. Like, and then I'll be done. And I kind of, that's another little pet peeve. I'm like, well, you're not done. You're really just getting started. But I get that that's the first step that you want to get to. You know, my strategy for you is two years from now, like you said, never having to be back at this three month goal again. So let's do this in a way that's going to be really optimal for lifetime strategy. Like for competitors that are coming to us to train, I always say, "You do you have two years? <laughs> it's going to take two years. We can get on stage before two years, but this isn't something that's going to happen yeah, in a 16-week f- program, which physique, drives me crazy. The physique you ultimately want is going to take Yeah, longer. yeah. And, and that's not even competitors. I, I couldn't even say that just for someone that comes and says, I want to change my physique. I want to be the best shape when I'm 50. I want to look my best when I turn 45. Like I have that kind of age bracket. And I love, I absolutely love those goals and strategies because, or those goals, because I love the strategies 
that we put in place for them. It makes me so excited. I'm like, let's get it. It's going to be so fun. But then they're like in three, in three months, how come I'm not there yet? I'm like, oh my gosh, a year to two years. You got to give me like, yeah, and you're like, didn't time. we already talk about Then we already, we already it? went through this. Remember that consistency and progressive overload and the nutrition and all the other things that we're talking about now. I also think people rush what their body can do in a certain period of time. So I think programs fail because in their mind, they think it'll take me three months to get to a certain number on a back squat in terms of weight. And when they realize that might have been like they bit off more than they can chew and they have to retract that a little bit, that becomes so frustrating that they give up. Nicole, since you bring that up, that was going to be the next thing that I was going to say is that you're talking about a, a measurable strength goal. And I do think that it's important to have those goals as well. And I think oftentimes people just have aesthetic goals and weight mm -hmm. goals and body fat goals. And they're not looking at big picture because when you're looking at big picture, you should also be able to tie in performance goals. And that also sets you up with the mindset of even if the numbers on the scale aren't changing, then my and my performance, because performance is going to be a better indicator of health to me if your body's working better and it's performing better and you're getting stronger and you have more muscular endurance and you have more cardiovascular endurance and your brain starts working better and you, you know, you can breathe better. You can sleep better. Like all of these things, right? You have better stamina, all of these things. Those are also things that you should tie into your goals. So the other piece to this, I think it's important to recognize that you should have measurable goals when it comes to weight and body fat and waist circumference and uh, building muscle like bicep circumference and, you know, thigh circumference and all of these things, those are important, but you should also have measurable performance goals so that you have more to measure and more also to be proud of yourself for. Yes. And that will drive the consistency in your program. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then throughout the process, Nicole, you're just going to be creating new goals and adjusting your program as needed based on those goals that will change and shift and mold. And as your body changes and as your mindset changes and your goals change, you're going to start to try to tackle different things. And I think that that's important when you're following a program to always be adjusting and adapting to, okay, well, what's the next step? Yeah, absolutely. Programs fail because people don't give things enough time programs fail because people give up too easily programs fail because people don't give themselves they don't trust in themselves that they can get through the difficult part of it and programs fail because people are not patient enough like those are my like takeaways from just experience with clients yeah and also nicole with that being said maybe you have no idea what you're doing and i i want to really highlight that that's okay if you need help, it's okay to seek help from a professional mm -hmm. that will help you develop and execute a program. So mm -hmm. if you're kind of unsure, like, I don't even know where to start with a program, you can shoot us a DM first and foremost, mm -hmm. or find a local, if you're in a gym, in a local gym, find a trainer that is going to be able to help you. Now, listen, I prefer, obviously you DM us, but <laughs> but, find, you know, find somebody who is an expert on the subject matter and can guide you and teach you. And, you know, it's a learning experience. So programming yeah. is is it's a process to learn how to program. My goal for all my clients is that ultimately they start to develop a sense for how to program for themselves. I don't want to yes. program for them forever. Yep. Um, but with that, there's also some there's an education piece as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Empower people to to learn about their bodies and they get so excited. It becomes so much more fun to see the changes that they can make when they understand. It's part of it is teaching, but understand why they're doing what they're doing and not what I call circus workouts where they're just running around and picking random exercises and kind of floating through the gym. <laughs> yeah, because that doesn't work. So if you're not following a program, you need to follow a program. And if you're not consistent with your current program, you need to start being consistent. You need to make sure that you're working hard enough and really executing on that program to its fullest potential and to your fullest potential. You need to make sure that your nutrition, like Nicole, like you said, is really tied to your program and, and is really uh, parallel with your program. And as your program changes, so does your nutrition, your body's needs are going to change. And you also need to make sure that you have a measurable goal oriented program. And as your goals are shaping and shifting, then you're acting accordingly. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.